your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day for coming together, for coming together on behalf of decency, civilization, uh, basically morality and the West, the idea of the free world. Is that uh, an outdated idea? There are people, yes, there are. There are some, unfortunately, people who identify as Republicans who say they identify more with Vladimir Putin's values than with Joe Biden's values. And look, you don't have to excuse all of the things that are wrong with Joe Biden and all of the reasons I don't think he's been a successful president so far. But we're in the midst of an international crisis. It is unprecedented, uh, certainly unprecedented since World War II. The boldness of the evil, the clarity of the evil, and the clarity that is coming from Ukraine of courage and, and decency deserves American support. We're not talking here about some kind of expeditionary force. We're not talking here about boots on the ground. Nobody's talking about that. But NATO is coming together in a very real and reassuring way. There are also reports not confirmed that Russia is willing to talk about a ceasefire. That might be a reflection of the fact that according to some reports, and it's the fog of war, we don't know for sure. There have been 3,000 Russians killed so far, uh, untold numbers of Ukrainians. It is uh, a remarkable moment. One of the things that moved me greatly is there's a very lengthy report. I mean... Very lengthy report, but an amazing one about the president of Ukraine, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, who has been urged by many observers to get out of Dodge. I mean, they are in Kiev. Russian troops are in Kiev, in Kiev, uh, which is the right pronunciation and the way that they want it pronounced in Ukrainian. So in Kiev, the uh, president of Ukraine says, we are here in Kiev defending Ukraine President Zelensky posted a video of himself, and it's very moving. It, it, it really got to me to see it. It's as Russian troops advance on the capital. He had told EU leaders last night, this may be the last time you see me alive. There is a, uh, a hit list, and he is number one on the hit list. This is a, uh, they've dispatched apparently a group of Chechen uh, soldiers for the Russian Federation who are a hunter squad. They are supposed to go out and kill the government that uh, that Putin has pledged to decapitate. And uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has released a self-shot video from central Kiev. Uh, he did that this morning avowing to stay and defend the capital against the Russian invasion. Zelensky vowed alongside his key aides to keep fighting against Russian military assault to defend Ukraine. Last night, Zelensky warned EU leaders that this might be the last time you see me alive after the embattled president was told that Russian special forces were hunting him down to assassinate him. He said he is the number one target on their list, the second target on 
the list, uh, his wife and Olena, and uh, their two very beautiful young children. Uh, what does it mean to be in that position where you are going to stay and encourage your country to fight? They have just made an announcement, too, that they are welcoming people of any age, no matter how young or how old, to come grab a weapon or to make a Molotov cocktail and to help the uh, Ukrainian nation defend itself. A, uh, Zelensky tonight vowed alongside his key aides to keep fighting against the Russian military assault. He said, we're all here. Our military is here. Citizens and society are here. We are all here defending our independence, our country, and it will stay this way. Zelensky said as he stood outside the presidency building in Kiev with his prime minister, his chief of staff, and other senior aides. Last night, Zelensky warned European leaders, this might be the last time you see me alive. He uh, made the harrowing comments as he urged EU leaders to take further steps against Russia during a late-night conference call. The uh, meeting concluded with the politicians imposing additional sanctions against Moscow. Meanwhile, Russian troops clashed briefly with Ukrainian forces uh, for the first time within Kiev itself on Friday. That's today. Larger forces are bearing down on the capital, and the city was bracing for a possible night of airstrikes. In a televised address from Moscow, Putin branded Zelensky's government as terrorists and a gang of drug addicts and neo-Nazis urging the Ukrainian military to mutiny. Again, the idea of uh, neo-Nazis for the Ukrainians with their embattled, targeted Jewish president, and just just unthinkable. And, and again, it is Orwellian. Uh, one of the things that Big Brother does in 1984 is uh, b black is white and war and pe is peace and... Up is down. And basically, that's what uh, Putin is trying to do with his people. There are reports now from Moscow and from St. Petersburg. It's not working. And uh, Putin is increasingly isolated even at home. His wife, uh, this is uh, Zelensky's wife now, is 44. Her name is Olena. And the children are aged 17 and 9. They're in hiding, but they remain in the country amid fears the Kremlin wants to wipe out or imprison Ukraine's entire political class with Mr. Zelensky warning my, my family is the number two goal after me. Uh, present and fighting, uh, the Ukrainian president, uh, president said. Ukraine says Russia has now bombed 33 civilian sites in Kiev in the last 24 hours. Two children have been reported killed in Kiev bombing overnight. A Ukraine has banned men 18 to 60 from leaving the country so they can be conscripted into the armed forces. Zelensky has allowed anyone of any age to join the armed forces and called on Europeans from other countries to uh, come and join the fight. Russia is deploying paratroopers to Chernobyl after capturing it yesterday, Moscow said. 
Ukraine reported anomalous radiation levels at the plant and fears nuclear storage was breached in the fighting. Russia claims to have destroyed 118 Ukrainian military sites in 30 hours of fighting. The Prime Minister of Great Britain, Boris Johnson, pledged more support is coming to Ukraine in the coming days. Johnson shared a phone call with Zelensky this morning. Uh, this all is dramatic and amazing. Also dramatic today, and it seems to me worth appreciating, was a uh, uh, an announcement from the Secretary General of NATO, Jen Stoltenberg. He's a Norwegian. He is a great guy. He's former Prime Minister of Norway. And this is what uh, he said, 12A. The Kremlin's objectives are not limited to Ukraine. Russia has demanded legally binding agreements to announce uh, further NATO enlargement and to remove troops and infrastructure from allies that joined after 1997. We are facing a new normal in European security, where Russia openly contests the European security order and uses force to pursue its objectives. The world will hold Russia and Belarus accountable for their actions. And they should. Uh, there is much more. There's also uh, going to be a new justice to the Supreme Court. Uh, Katenji Brown Jackson, who was the leading contender uh, announced today, we'll hear from her and more coming up on The Medved Show. Secretary General of NATO, whose voice you just heard, uh, Jen Stoltenberg, uh, the Norwegian, said the alliance was deploying parts of its combat-ready response force and could continue to send weapons to Ukraine, including air defenses. We are now deploying the NATO response force for the first time in the context of collective defense. And basically what they're concerned about, of course, is there are NATO nations. There are 30 NATO nations. And we have a treaty, the United States. Uh, the uh, And Article 5 of that treaty is if there is an attack on a NATO nation and Ukraine adjoins a number of NATO nations, most significantly Poland, uh, if there is any kind of attack... That is considered an attack on uh, all NATO nations. That's, by the way, why we had so much support, and we did, in Afghanistan, because that was a response to an attack on the United States. It was the first time, actually, in, in the modern era since NATO existed, that there was a, a Article 5, Clause 5 emergency where the, the nations of the free world and it is the free world, uh, came together for collective defense. Now, you may say, oh, they did nothing. That was a complete waste. What a disgrace what they did in uh, Afghanistan. I want to say that if you say that, you're an idiot. You're blind. 
you don't know history. Because one of the things that everyone expected and all of the experts expected is that we would have a series of attacks just like September 11th. And the one thing we achieved, and we achieved it early in the war, was with this NATO force uh, getting rid of al-Qaeda and their training bases in Afghanistan, dislodging the Taliban, which at that time had been openly supporting al-Qaeda, and the situation in the war on terror as anyone who participated in it, particularly people at a high level directing it or people uh, involved directly in combat, is that part of what was accomplished there is one of the reasons that we have been able to live safely in the United States without the, the feeling that uh, the Ukrainians have right now is not knowing what happens next, whether your home is going to be blown up or destroyed. Uh, the uh, Secretary General of NATO, again, Jen Stoltenberg, uh, speaking this afternoon about the readiness to do more, even if it means we have to pay a price. Listen, this is a clip 12B. President Putin's uh, decision to pursue his aggression against Ukraine is a terrible strategic mistake for which Russia would pay a severe price for years to come. NATO allies and the European Union have already introduced significant sanctions and many of our partners around the globe have joined us. We must stand ready to do more even if it means we have to pay a price because we are in this for the long haul. In response to Russia's massive military build-up over the past months, we have already strengthened our deterrence and defense. Yesterday, NATO allies activated our defense plans. And as a result, we are deploying elements of the NATO response force on land, at sea, and in the air. To further strengthen our posture, and to respond quickly to any contingency. Hey, look, this is so very, very important. I um, I was reading uh, a, a little bit of a uh, history of what happened at the very beginning of World War II. And by 1939... Parts of Czechoslovakia had already been carved off the Sudetenland and taken over by Nazi Germany, which claimed that millions of ethnic Germans were being persecuted there. That's the exactly the same excuse that Vladimir Putin has put forward, claiming that ethnic Russians are persecuted in Ukraine, even though they uh, uh, there's no, no evidence of that, but none of this is evidence-based. It's uh, basically Putin says it, and so a lot of people in Russia have to accept it. But um, the previous September meeting at Munich, the European powers, we're talking about 1939 now in Czechoslovakia, seeking to avoid war, had acquiesced and done nothing. Well, they did worse than nothing. They specifically authorized Hitler to take over about a third of uh, Czechoslovakia, the Sudetenland. Six months later, German troops were massed on the Czech border as Nazi leader Adolf Hitler 
uh, railed and threatened the country with destruction. On March 15th, 1939, the uh, Czech president, Emil Hacke, who was very sick at the time, was in Hitler's study, surrounded by the Fuhrer's henchmen. The uh, history biographer of, of Hitler, Ian Kershaw, writes, Hitler was at his most intimidating. He launched into a virulent tirade against the Czechs. The Nazis needed to take over Czechoslovakia to protect Germany and Germans, Hitler said. Hakka must agree or his country would be immediately attacked and Prague, the capital, the beautiful capital, it's a beautiful city, was bombed, would be bombed. A president, Hakka, fainted. Fainted. And then when he was arrived, he gave in to Hitler's demand. German troops marched in a few hours later. Hitler said it was the happiest day of his life. And uh, now we have a situation where it is not that. If you look around the world, I was woke up this morning, one of the first things I heard was that there were Spanish warships, Spanish, Spain, that were steaming uh, toward this crisis point uh, through the Mediterranean. And you may say, what does Spain have to do with Ukraine? What does America have to do with Ukraine? Well, everything. Because one of the things that has been achieved in the 20th century, and honest to God, it's the greatest achievement of our country, or one could say of any country, is to defeat totalitarian communism, which we did. What we are doing now is protecting that gain and doing it in a united way. The fact that the Germans seem to be very much on our side this time have not shown the same reluctance because they're dependent on natural gas from Russia or the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That has been canceled. The certification has been canceled, and God willing, that will be broken altogether. There are reports from international news sources everywhere that the Putin regime is in trouble. And if it is true that they are talking about some kind of negotiated ceasefire or a pause to this invasion. Any of that is good news, but it reflects the fact that even among the brainwashed Russian public, there are massive demonstrations going on in Russia against this invasion, and uh, that Putin apparently is isolated even from some of the oligarchs who keep him in power. All across America, this is The Michael Medved Show. On The uh, Michael Medved Show, uh, to get some of the history of the, uh, of the Cold War, we haven't done a comprehensive history of the Cold War, uh, uh, join us at, uh, at uh, Medved, uh, Medhead Plus membership where you have access for 22 cents a day, you become a MedHead member, you have access to the show at any time you want to download commercial-free, uh, and you have free access to all of our MedVed history programs. Uh, go to medvedhistorystore.com, that's medvedhistorystore.com, 
and uh, you can pay very little and learn a great deal. The other big story of the day besides Ukraine, and we will get back to Ukraine, we're going to be talking a little bit later to Ian Bremer of Eurasia Group, who is a an extremely respected futurist, uh, and talk about what this means and what the future of Ukraine. Will Ukraine survive as an independent nation? Uh, or is this the end for a, a liberty-loving uh, people and their long-standing dreams of independence, which now will be crushed under the boots of advancing Russian troops? We will talk about that. But this morning, on a happier note, and again, it's the kind of ritual that should make everybody, especially at a time like this, feel proud to be American. I mean, this is an amazing thing, actually. And and yes, everyone should be proud and relieved and that we, we have, and now with every prospect for a rapid confirmation, an extremely well-qualified appointee to the Supreme Court. Does she share the same kind of conservative judicial philosophy that I would support? The kind of philosophy that characterizes, for instance, Amy Coney Barrett? No. But we happen to have elected a Democratic president. And this is not somebody who's a crazy left-winger and somebody who is clearly respected. She actually won with bipartisan support when she was confirmed to the appellate court last time. Republicans, led by Lindsey Graham, uh, voted for her. Talking about the uh, justice-designate, and that's the proper title, Katenji Brown-Jackson. President Biden announced her appointment with her at his side uh, this morning. Uh, Listen to the President's 17A. Today, uh... As we watch freedom and liberty under attack abroad, I'm here to fulfill my responsibilities under the Constitution to preserve freedom and liberty here in the United States of America. And it's my honor to introduce to the country a daughter of former public school teachers, a proven consensus builder, an accomplished lawyer, a distinguished jurist, one of the nation's most on one of the nation's most prestigious courts. My nominee for the United States Supreme Court is Judge Katanji Jackson. And uh, she uh, is, in fact, very well thought of in the Court of Appeals. She is, comes from that uh, court, the same court that has been the main feeder to the Supreme Court of the United States. And uh, I, I know that Lindsey Graham is unhappy about this. He had made remarks before about the predominance of people on the Supreme Court who have graduated from one of two law schools. It's either Yale uh, or Harvard. And for people who think that uh, these two institutions end up uh, producing people who think the same, well, consider the fact that the uh, Clarence Thomas is a graduate of Yale Law School, And uh, uh, there are also people, Sonia Sotomayor is a graduate of uh, Yale Law School, okay? So that that doesn't produce the same uh, kind of orientation necessarily because of where you went to school. And to hold against uh, Katanji Jackson, well, you can hold against her fact she didn't get a Yale degree, 
but she was a Harvard undergraduate, and then she went to Harvard Law School. She was magna cum laude, which is high honors at Harvard. So to say that she is getting this appointment or that she got into Harvard, you, you can say that affirmative action could help someone get into Harvard. But when you look at this woman's credentials as um, president of her senior class in a high school that was 85% white, uh, the um, uh, fact she was voted most likely to succeed, I believe she was valedictorian, and then all of the academic honors and success and everything else she's doing. She has an uh, extremely stable, productive marriage. They're involved in charity and in the community. And it's really tough to find people who will say anything negative about her. And uh, she spoke to the country. This is clip 17B. Justice Breyer, the members of the Senate will decide if I fill your seat but please know that I could never fill your shoes. To my dear family, those who are here with me now and those who are watching from home, I am forever indebted to you for your love and support. To my beloved husband, Patrick, thank you for being my rock today and every day for this, these past 26 years. I love you. He's a pediatric surgeon. Um, and again, this is a, um, uh, picture perfect family. And again, you, you had the same thing. I, I think that Amy Coney Barrett is extraordinary and her whole story is extraordinary. And no, she didn't go to Harvard or Yale. She's the one member of the Supreme Court who didn't, but she was first in her class at Notre Dame law school. Uh, then, um, Biden goes on to talk about the historic significance of the first black woman on the Supreme Court. This is uh, President Biden. For too long, our government, our courts, haven't looked like America. And I believe it's time that we have a court that reflects the full talents and greatness of our nation with a nominee of extraordinary qualifications and that we inspire all young people to believe that they can one day serve their country at the highest level. I've admired these traits of pragmatism, historical perspective, wisdom, character, in the jurists nominated by Republican presidents as well as Democratic presidents. And today, I'm pleased to introduce to the American people a candidate who continues in this great tradition. Uh, and uh, I do hope that uh, there will be a speedy confirmation without an attempt to politicize uh, the uh, the nomination. And uh, it, it would be somehow appropriate and reassuring to the country now. And one of the things that I think is also necessary to recognize, and this does tie into Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine invasion is such a serious moment it's such a hinge point of history it is as people say the the an indication of the post cold war order basically breaking apart and and partially what is so stunning about it and if somebody disagrees with this what is stunning about it mostly to me is the fact that there is no possible plausible justification for the war in other words, the question, uh, why did uh, Putin attack now? What was the emergency? 
And uh, a number of people have said, and I think this is probably true, is there was perceived weakness on the part of uh, Joe Biden. There was, I think, an assumption on Putin's part that he would be able to split apart the Western alliance. That has not been able to happen. Uh, The Germans in particular, in particular with the new Socialist Party Chancellor, Olaf Schulz, there had been a feeling that, well, America won't be able to count on its traditional allies. Those allies have come together in a way that's inspiring and ought to encourage us. More on that and what happens next coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. MichaelMedved.com Michael Medved show uh, talking about a busy news day, a new Supreme Court justice nominated. And by the way, conservatives should uh, be very relieved at the situation. This is not going to change the pro-conservative balance of the court where there really is a six to three makeup of the court, because this is a replacement of one of the Democratic-appointed justices, Stephen Breyer, who was appointed by President Clinton. And uh, that uh, if there's no reason to believe that Katanji Brown-Jackson is going to be further to the left or further to the conception of an activist court further than, uh, than Stephen Breyer. And... Uh, the uh, White House is announcing new sanctions on Putin. Uh, shall we go to that briefly? Let's go to that and hear if they're... The UK is banning civilian Russian aircraft from its airspace, saying that no aircraft on a service owned, operated, or chartered, chartered by a person connected with Russia shall fly in their airspace. Is the United States planning to do the same? I'm not uh, aware of that being in the plans, but I don't have anything to preview for you. Okay, and another question. We've seen these predictions from the Defense Department, from the State Department, about Kiev falling to Russia. They've made clear that they believe that is in Putin's sights and that he wants to overthrow the government there. If that happens, what does the U.S. do? What is the response and the role that the United States takes after something like that happens? Well, I would just reiterate, as we've been warning for months, um, that Kyiv falling is a real possibility. And we've continued to see uh, Russia's uh, progression, uh, even as we've seen uh, resistance on the ground. Uh, Russia's, military continu- Russia's military continues to advance toward Kyiv. So there is that real possibility. Uh, I'm just not going to get into, at this point, hypotheticals of what that will look like or what our response would be. Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. I want to follow up on the Putin sanctions again, um, based on what you've said so far. So was this decision to coordinate with allies meant to show unity, meant to show that Putin is a pariah, or do you think it will actually have an impact on Putin in practice, given the uncertainty about the extent and location? 
have as well. Sure, I understand what you're asking. I'm just not going to get into specifics about his financial assets from here. Again, I, I think what is important and what we are hoping the world takes away from this is the uh, unity uh, uh, through which the United States, President Biden, is working uh, with our European partners and allies. Okay, uh, look, this is... Um this is all a very serious business, and I think there's actually a fine column uh, over at uh, Bloomberg by uh, Clara Ferreira Marquez, and who writes, consequences can play out over time. And the Russian president appears to be unraveling. Even by the standards of a, a repressive authoritarian regime with a history of false flag operations and fabricated pretext for war, and for an autocrat with a pension for macho, reckless military pursuits and for rewriting the past, the last few days have been hard to comprehend. A rambling hour-long speech on Monday laced with wild accusations portraying Ukraine as a Vladimir Lenin's invention. Then a staged Security Council meeting with senior officials. This is not the UN Security Council. This is a Security Council that's supposed to involve, uh, so to serve Vladimir Putin. Um, with senior officials being uh, made to publicly support Putin and the recognition of the separatist republics. Now a war that's stretching credulity to the limit, Putin says, will denazify Ukraine, a country that suffered brutally in the Second World War. In fact, there was a, actually a pretty good response by Stephen Colbert, uh, which uh, goes to this whole idea of denazifying Ukraine. Uh, this is uh, what Colbert had to say about this. This is clip 15. Putin announced the start of his war around 10 p.m. our time last night, and he had a pretty lame excuse to justify it. We will strive to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. Denazify? That's hard to do when you're acting like the Nazis. <laughs> now, this is obviously a ridiculous claim. First of all, Zelensky is a Nazi. He's from a Jewish background, and he's barely even a politician. He's a former TV comedian. <laughs> this is like if the U.S. invaded Canada to capture war criminal Eugene Levy. Uh, and, and again, what's interesting about Zelensky's background is the TV comedian part. He played sort of an ordinary little guy without preparation who decides to run for president and gets elected. And it was a fictional show and it was very funny and very popular. It was the number one show on Ukrainian television. So he said, what the heck? And he ran for president and he won overwhelmingly. Uh, was was very popular on that. There's also, when she talks about the uh, uh, Putin, and I'm talking here about Claire for, uh, Clara Ferreira Marquez, uh, when she talks about Putin unraveling, I think that's the right word. Uh, this is a uh, what it sounded like. There have been 1,600 protesters arrested in Russia, almost all of them in Moscow, some in St. Petersburg. But here is what a, a Russian protester cried out uh, when uh, the protester was being arrested. This is clip 14. Arrestujte Putina! 
<laughs> what he says, he says, arrest Putin, not me, damn it. Uh, look, this is uh, takes a certain amount of courage in Russia with with this regime. And, you know, the one thing that I think is is so toxic and this is very, very important, not just to the American future, but to the future of the uh, Republican Party is to recognize that this is as as clear as anything could be a, a battle between good and evil. And which is why uh, someone speaks up as a prominent Republican, a former Republican nominee for U.S. Senate. Uh, this came up uh, uh, gushing with praise from Lauren Witzke. She's a QAnon supporter, very much identified with the very far right. She is also a recovering meth addict. But uh, she said this about her sympathies in the struggle uh, between uh, Putin and uh, the Ukraine. Uh, listen. Here's the deal also. You know, Russia is uh, a Christian nationalist nation. They're actually Orthodox Christian. I'm mm. Russian Orthodox. So, you know, I actually support Putin's right to protect his people and always put his people first, but also protect their Christian values. I identify more with Russian, uh, with Putin's Christian values than I do with Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, like there is that, you know, that there, there is that there. And, you know, Christian nationalist countries also are a threat to the global uh, regime, like the Luciferian regime. It wants to mash everything together. But Putin takes care of his people. He looks out for his people. I watched as he deported, like they literally walked them through the streets, the criminal illegals who were coming into their country. Yeah. They walked him out and they escorted him out and they said, get out. You know, I can respect that. I can respect that. And I can respect the fact that uh, Putin does everything he can to protect uh, his people. Do you, anybody have some sympathy with that? I hope not. I mean, it it is appalling. And, and again, to say that uh, Ukraine doesn't matter. There have been some speakers at uh, CPAC, unfortunately, who have said, why should we care about this nation that is uh, 5,000 miles away from the east coast of the United States, even further away from the west coast? that uh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't affect me, uh, what do I care about this, I'm much more concerned about this or about this or about this. This is one of these things, and, and this is a point that Gerald Seib made this morning in the Wall Street Journal. This is not just a, um, has an impact on the world and its future, it changes it. It changes it. And there is every indication that in, in here in the United States and around the world, the forces of decency and sanity are actually coming together. And uh, there are people oh, like Senator Ben Sass. We'll hear what Senator Sass had to say a little bit later. Or Senator Marco Rubio. Or the Prime Minister of... Uh, Australia speaking up and uh, again when you hear about the NATO forces and the 30 countries involved with NATO all of this matters and it it indicates that while we need to lead the world we are not 
alone. It is not America alone. And that is crucial to maintaining our status as this greatest nation.